It's another edition of the uh, fastest growing podcast in America titled Mark My Words. And today's guest, no stranger to San Diego, no stranger uh, to Southern California, Mr. Chris. Hello, everybody. Mr. Chris, hello. How are you? Thank you. How are you? How are you? Do you have, uh, do you have some facts to back the uh, fastest growing? that you're the fastest growing? You've gone from what, one to three viewers? You know, so that's Chris, 300% increase. Mm -hmm. That's very good. We, had, we started this, I think, about a year ago, and our listenership yeah. has... Uh, has grown exponentially. Is yeah. that even a word? Exponentially, yes. I can't spell it. I can't either. But I mean, it's a, it's a big word. It's a long one. And uh, which means it's grown a lot. Good. Huge. Well, I hope that I keep the momentum going for you. I certainly do too. We I have think, a. I'm concerned that it might be going like this, and then today it'll go. You know what? You'll actually. Well, you'll, yeah. You will actually get. Because see, I think people are interested in you because I don't think people know a lot about you. Other, well, why not? Why don't you tell me? I, mean, I, I mean, on my talk show, I think I share a lot, uh, the radio show. Um, but, I mean, I keep some of it out. Like, for instance, if somebody says, where are you from? I go, I'm from L.A. Really? But I'm not really from L.A. Where are you from? I'm from Beverly Hills. Well. And see, that's why, aren't that's, you something? why that's why I don't say it. You know, Lo did you know Is Logan Burns growing up? No. He grew up in Beverly Hills. He did? Yeah. Oh, good. His dad played uh, uh, in Greece, in the movie Greece. In the movie Greece. Yeah, with Olivia Newton-John. and. You know, It's a Wonderful Life was shot at the swim gym. One of the scenes in It's a Wonderful Life was shot at our gymnasium at Beverly Hills High School. It's called the swim gym because it has a... Is it a bathhouse or something? Or? It, has a, it has a swimming pool. And if you push a button, the basketball court comes out from the sides above the swimming pool. And the basketball floor, when you play basketball in there, is above the swimming pool. So That's the name Swim Gym. Now, were your parents in the uh, movie or uh, in the entertainment? Hardly. Hardly. Actually, my stepmom was in the entertainment world. Uh, my stepmom, Susanna, was married to my dad for most of my youth my dad and uh, mom got divorced very early in my life and my dad got remarried when i was about 10 and from the ages of 10 to 20 he was married to susanna my ages of 10 to 20 and susanna was the executive producer of get this the gong show really do you remember the gong i do show? remember the gong show the guy he's always clapping chuck barris was the guy's name and he was the producer uh, of not only the gong show but the dating game and the Newlywed Game, three of the most famous talk shows, you know. Yeah, of that time, of that of era. That era. And Chuck Barris was the guy. He was a Philadelphia guy. But he came out and got those shows started. My stepmom was his right-hand person. You're kidding. Yeah. So uh, that's my connection to, quote, Hollywood. Now, the Gong Show was kind of the original, like, uh, America's Got Talent, right. American Idol, all yes, of these. but just cheesier. Yeah. Much cheesier. The acts were not very good. Yeah. Like every now and again, you get a really good act, but for the most part, it was people just doing really silly stuff. And, <laughs> you know, they, they would get gonged. Right. Because they were so bad. One of the three celebrity judges on the panel 
they used to have like Jamie Farr. <laughs> yeah. uh, Steve Garvey was a panelist on the Gong Show. I love that show. I used to watch great. it all the time. There was something about it. But and those three game shows are the biggest. Those were like three, the three. Huge. Yeah, Chuck Barris was huge. And my stepmom was right in the middle of all of that. So we grew up in Beverly Hills. We lived in a duplex. So it wasn't the mansion that you're thinking of. And it then, wasn't uh, the Beverly Hillbillies. No, it was more like. And I mean this in reference to a movie. It was more like the slums of Beverly Hills, which I don't know if you recall, was actually a movie that came out, I would say, in the 1980s. And it was actually written by a gal named Tammy Jenkins, who was my classmate growing up in the slums of Beverly Hills. But you were rubbing elbows living in Beverly Hills with... I guess I was rubbing elbows, or they were rubbing elbows with me. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty pretty successful you're very important <laughs> yes i mean but yeah so that's i mean incredibly for a podcast because it's fun to talk about it but um you know i'm not a i'm not a big stop and chat guy you know I, right I, I like to i like to say hi to people and smile and move on my way uh -huh. so when i'm asked where i'm from you know L la just gets me out of there yeah if i say beverly hills you have to sit here and talk about the I gong show about for the 15. gong show in beverly hills for a while well so. yeah i'm not a real i'm kind of a not a big talk guy myself and and we yeah. went to dinner the other day and you said you're really a nice person i thought well, I did. did he think i was rude before did you think I Did was? I think you were. Uh huh. Absolutely not. Oh well, I mean, I no, just didn't met, know. We met a while ago. I remember running into you in uh, Walmart. Walmart, yes. Right around here. Uh, yes. And, and I thought, no, you're a terrific guy. <laughs> you're a terrific guy. You're, you're well, I mean, you were saying he's a nice guy, like you were shocked about it or something. No, I thought I, I, I wasn't shocked. I was saying that because you were especially nice. <laughs> if, that's, if that's a good way to put it, you were. You were so you were so nice to us, my wife and I, that night at dinner, and you took care of everything, and you were just all giving the whole night. I mean, my my wife still talks about this. She was Mark kept trying to give my wife shots, of, <laughs> like I think it was like Bailey's or something. It was like the the easiest shot you could ever take. But my wife is not a drinker in right. any way, shape, or form, so she was sipping the shot glass, and Mark was like. I've never seen anything like this before. It's a shot. Do it. She was my wife was like, that. So Mark, so Mark, while we're at dinner, Mark goes out and actually goes down the street. We're in Old Town and finds a little souvenir shop, and you actually bought her a shot glass. Said, "Take this home with you and, and practice." practice. <laughs> so if you have to practice taking you shots, practice taking shots. So you brought her her own shot glass. She still talks about that. So. No, I didn't say you were nice because I didn't think you were nice. Oh. You were nicer than I even uh, expected. Oh, well, so, I, I, yeah, I greatly appreciate he's a, that. He's a terrific guy, folks, really. Well, I met you uh, when you first came on with Paul uh, during the afternoons and evenings. You yes. were doing like a little segment like you doing do. Doing some afternoons and evenings. Now I do the mornings with Paul. But I thought you were great, by the way. Thank you. It was fun. On, on both mean, of them. I had a good time. I was actually in between radio shows at that time, so that was a, my way of keeping my face yeah. you know, out there. So, and, uh, you, now so Paul was really helpful probably in me getting back into radio again because, you know, he had me out there circulating. Or Now, so were you it. a dual sport athlete at San Diego State? Huh. Did dual? You, no. I thought you played football or baseball. No, no, no. I played baseball. Okay. I played baseball. You played with Tony Gwynn. Tony Gwynn, he was a dual athlete at San Diego State, and I appreciate you getting us confused. What did he else did he play? He played basketball. 
He, he did? was a point guard on the basketball team. Well, I'll be damned. I don't know. I didn't know that. Yeah, Tony Gwynn, to this day, holds the San Diego State record for most career assists as a point guard. He was very, very good. I mean, really. And he played on the basketball team. And the story goes that Tony was recruited from Long Beach Poly High School by uh, Tim Vesey, who was the basketball coach at that time, to come down and play basketball. So he was recruited to come to San Diego State to play basketball. One day, Bobby Meacham, who was a star athlete baseball player from Orange County and knew Tony, uh-huh. was sitting in the office of the baseball coach, Jim Dietz, and they were talking, and, and Tony Gwynn walked past. And Bobby Meacham saw him and went, Hey, wow, that's great, coach. I didn't know we got Tony Gwynn. And the coach of the baseball team, Jim Dietz, said, No, 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 he's here just to play basketball. And Bobby Meacham looked at Jim Dietz and said, no, you don't understand. you got to get this guy in the baseball team. I've, been, I've played in all-star games with this guy growing up. He's one of the best hitters I've ever seen. Really? And Jim Dietz said, really? So Jim Dietz worked it out with the basketball team that after the basketball season, Tony could come down, try out for baseball, and, of course. The rest is history. The rest is Now, did he play all four years basketball? He played, uh, I'm pretty sure he played four years of basketball and maybe three or four of baseball, too, yeah. Holy and, and the thing was, like, when I was on the baseball team, we started practice in, like, October. Yeah. The season didn't start till January. Right. Well, Tony played basketball from October to January while we were all practicing baseball. And then the baseball season would start. And then when the basketball season ended, Tony would just come down with his cleats, you know, thrown over his shoulder and go, okay, I'm here, I'm ready to go. That's... You know, and they'd put him in the lineup and he'd go four for four and you're like, what are we even practicing Did, all this time for? Okay, so here's a question. I played with a guy named Scott Livingston. He um he played Scott Livingstone. Yeah, he played for oh, the yes, Padres. Baseball for the Padres. Yeah, played baseball Fielder. for the Padres for a yeah, while. Right. But all through growing up, uh, even into college, he was not a notch above everybody. He was just five or six notches yeah. above everybody else. Right. Was that the way playing with Tony Gwynn was in college, or was he? Did he get better as the years progressed? I'm with you. He got better as the years progressed. Yeah, I mean, okay. When, you, when we played on that baseball team, uh, the two years I played, they were Tony's junior and senior year. Yeah. The junior season, he was All-American. But he wasn't, he wasn't a whole lot better than Bobby Meacham, who was the shortstop. Right. Bobby Meacham was the guy whose picture was on the media guide. Bobby Meacham was drafted number seven overall in the draft by the, uh, the Cardinals. Really? Tony Gwynn wasn't picked until the third round by the Padres. Really? So you got Bobby Meacham, the number seven overall pick. You got Tony was a third round draft choice. So Tony was obviously very good, but he wasn't even the superstar on, a, on his own college team. How many years did he spend in uh, the minor league? Not many. Like uh, he was drafted in 1981. His first stop, I believe, was Walla Walla, Washington. And I'm trying to remember some of this, so if you, if you are at home and you have a baseball reference, you could look it up and prove me wrong. But I know he started in Walla Walla. Very quickly, he went to AAA in Hawaii. And in July of 1982, he made his debut with the Padres. Wow. 82 or 83? 82. So, But yeah. you know, so AAA and Bali. You're have to make the majors. The funny thing that people say about Tony Gwynn, the hitter, was that he was a great singles hitter. Right. You know, and... Didn't hit for a lot of power, you know, doubles, singles, didn't walk that much, you know, just could 
could see it and hit it and right. hit it where people weren't. But that kind of player would be much less attractive to scouts in this day and age. Why? Because, because now the they shift. just want home runs. Right. And they want walks. And they don't look at guys that hit singles. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to, in a different era, if Tony Gwynn, the same Tony Gwynn that was a superstar in the early 1980s, making his way up to the Padres, if he would have got the same look, you know, because he hit like 400 in the minor leagues. Right. So everybody's like, well, we got to bring this guy up. Right. But now if you hit 400 in the minor leagues, they're going to say, yeah, well, how many home runs do you have? Yeah. And is it all just because they're trying to generate more interest to, to, to baseball? It's just is the, that it's the you hear this word analytics. They talk about baseball and what they want to see in, in batters is not batting average anymore. They want to see your slugging percentage and your on base percentage. So your on base percentage increases the more you walk, and your slugging percentage increases the more doubles, triples, and home runs you hit. So those are the kind of players they're they're looking at. That's why I mean Juan Soto, for example. You know, who's considered the greatest young player in baseball right now. And he's with the Padres, obviously. He's hitting 245. Yeah. But his on-base percentage is over 400. So Juan Soto is a great player. Right. If Juan Soto played back when Tony played, 245, they wouldn't even let him in the lineup. Yeah, he'd be in AAA. Yeah. He had to hit 300 to be, a, you know, an all-star. Right. And, of yeah. course, Tony used to hit 360, 370. You know, what did he finish his career with? He finished at about uh, three, three thirty, God, something like that. That's un- I mean, yeah, maybe a little lower. Somebody, I, might be, I might be pushing it a little high, but uh, he was. That's he, unbelievable. He, was, he won eight batting titles. God, eight. Was he as nice in person as everybody says that yes, that he that he, he was? was? He was, and, and, and just that, a, that such makes, a good it makes guy. Makes you sad when you think about how great of a guy he was. He made everybody feel like you know they were they were welcome. Yeah, and made everybody feel comfortable, and um, you know I, I mean he made me feel comfortable on the baseball team as a freshman. You yeah, know? the first time I ever truly met him, I was you know just, I'm a, I'm the little most in, insignificant guy, right? A freshman on the baseball team. Tony Gwynn's a superstar on the basketball team and an All American on the baseball team. <laughs> I go out jogging one night. In my apartment, I lived in La Mesa on a Saturday night. And as I'm jogging, I see this guy walking up, and it's Tony Gwynn. And I go, hey, Tony, how you doing? And he knew who I was because we were on the team, but we didn't really have a relationship or anything. And he goes, hey, what's going on, Chris? What are you doing? I go, I live here. I'm just going out for a jog. He goes, well, hey, you doing anything after? Because me and all the basketball guys are getting together right here where you live. They all live here. And I go, I didn't know that. And he goes, yeah, why don't you just drop by? It's apartment so-and-so. And that's the kind of guy he was, to a freshman. That's kind of So cool. after I got back from my jog, I showered. I was so excited. I'm going to go hang out with Tony Gwynn. And I just hung out that whole night with the basketball players. And it was just the most fun I ever had. And, you know, it just makes you feel welcome as a young guy, you know. Right, sure. What position did you play? I was a pitcher. Pitcher? Yeah. How good were you? Um, I think I was better than they thought I was. Yeah. <laughs> I did okay. I mean, I didn't, I didn't throw hard. Yeah. So it, it, that was my biggest drawback is I didn't throw very fast. And so, but I was smart. And I, I could keep the ball down and get ground balls and get outs. And But I didn't strike anybody out. Right. I didn't have that wow factor. Right. And after two years, I mean, it was pretty clear to me. You know, there was 11 guys on the pitching staff. And I was probably the 10th or 11th guy. So I'm oh, thinking, really? you know, I had fun. It was a great run. But 
after two years, I sat down with Coach Dietz, and he's like, you know, you could transfer. You could go to some other school. You could go here, go back to junior college. You could do a whole bunch of things. But honestly, your best bet is to get going with your life. And I kind of agreed with him. Yeah. I mean, it was a great run, but, I mean, I'm playing with – you start getting on the field with guys that are this good. Yeah. You see to yourself, well, you know, they're not all going to make it. What are the chances I'm going to make it? Well, I was – yeah, same thing. I was a quarterback at Baylor. And the offensive coordinator, Cotton Davidson, would tell me every single day, he said, if, you, if you'll transfer to Washita Baptist, which I didn't even know what a Washita Baptist was at the time. They have a pretty good football program now. Okay. But um, he said, if you, if you transfer there, and they, they had been around a while back then. Right. But he said, if you transfer, I promise you, you'll start the day that you walk on campus. And I just didn't want to leave Baylor. And I yeah. was you know, starting to get involved in the university and all that stuff. So after about three years, I was like, yeah. I think I'm just going to go hang out in my fraternity and, <laughs> and drink beer and chase women. I joined a fraternity. I hadn't, I hadn't been in a fraternity in my first two years. It was not looked upon highly to be a baseball player and, and be in a fraternity. But as soon as I got off the baseball team, I joined a fraternity and I, I can't, I had more fun than ever. So well, playing good, college sports is so much different than high school. Yeah. I mean, because you're spending all day. All day I mean, we day. would go to the stadium in the morning and, yeah. you know, weights, and running. watching films and then practicing and then going and eating. And you're really kind of, see, this and this brings me up to the subject of players getting played. And I had this conversation with somebody the other day. I said, at some point, I think they do need to be compensated because even in when I was in school, there were so many guys that would come to Baylor and they're like, well, they're getting a free education. Well, they haven't been properly prepared to how to even attain that, get the degree that they need or they, how to, they don't have some of the social skills. They, they grew up in an environment that was different than the people that they're going to college with. And they gravitate, uh, a lot of guys would gravitate toward, and they would hang in, in their groups, and they wouldn't really socialize with the rest of the university. Now, I understand the whole free education part, but you've got to, at some point, you know, kind of indoctrinate them to the university and the education factor, because once those guys graduate, and it's the same way today, once those guys graduate, the co coaches, they're done with them. You know, they're not like high school coaches where they care about you and they, they follow your career and they want to know about you. It's a business to them. And as soon as you're done playing, they're done with you. They have too many other guys to keep an eye on, especially in college football. I think in baseball, Coach Dietz was very good to all of us. Uh -huh. and, and actually, he was a very difficult guy to play for, but he became your best friend the day you were out of the program. <laughs> yeah. He did take care, great care of you. And I did lean on Coach Dietz and he helped me a lot. So... I don't want to say all coaches are like that, but I agree with you. Some are, and especially in college football. Yeah. Because you just have too many guys to keep an eye on. And not only that, the money that a college football team brings into a university is, you know, yeah. you can't even put a number on it. So the guys who do the work to bring it in probably deserve some sort of stipend. Well, Coach Taff, uh, Coach Grant Taff was the head coach of Baylor when I was there, and he's head of the, high, head of the Coaches Association. Uh, the National Coaches Association, and he keeps up with some of us, and, you know, he wants yeah. to know what you're doing, and That's he's kind of a throwback to the, the coaches of yesteryear who really cared a lot yeah. about their players. But, co but college coaches, like at the Alabama level or the Clemson, 
and tell me if I'm wrong. You guys talk about this a lot more than I do. But these guys are kind of like CEOs to me. CEOs of a corporation. Of a hundred million dollar corporation. So the the issues that are going on, you know, at the ground level don't always get to them. Don't even make it. But they're held accountable, even though maybe some of his underlings or their underlings should... I think that's pretty accurate. I, I, I don't really know how it is at Alabama. I mean, that's just on a level beyond anything I can tell you. I mean, you know, Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, those are factories, right? I mean, yeah. it's a whole other world. But I think, you know, Nick Saban is just as much of a CEO of a corporation as it is a football coach. He just yeah. happens to be a great football coach as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I, I would think, how many backup safeties on Alabama have a personal relationship with Nick Saban. I'd be surprised if it's very many. Or even the ninth string running back. And believe me, they have a ninth string running back because yeah. you know, Alabama has their running backs that are fourth string are better than everybody else's first string around the country. Well, you know, when Art Browse was at Baylor, he had a string of quarterbacks from RG3 who won the Heisman. Who brought in all the money? They built all these new facilities. Yeah. They built thanks a new. To him. Yes, thanks for winning the Heisman. Yeah. And so he had a string of run uh, quarterbacks, and I can remember reading a lot of their stories. Bryles didn't even know the quarterbacks that, that came after RG three, uh, their names for a couple <laughs> of years until they were the starters, and they all were drafted into the NFL. Yeah. There were like eight quarterbacks that are, were are, are in the NFL for Baylor during Art Browse years, and he didn't even know half their names they until, until they, they started. Until they were handing the ball off for him. Right, exactly. Yeah, I think you're bringing up a really good point. I mean, it's uh, college sports, I think, is headed to uh, you know a bit of a crazy place right now. I mean, you've got the, the rich getting richer and everybody else trying to keep up, and I think you're going to see the cream of the crop schools, the top 40, top 50, maybe 60, eventually just break apart from the rest of college football and play corporate college football, which is what they're doing now. Yeah. You know, I mean, with all my love for my alma mater, San Diego State, I mean, they're, they're just, as much as they've done, and they've won 10 games and, you know, been to a bowl game 12 years in a row. I mean, San Diego State's done phenomenal things. Right. But I'll give you an example. Here's how good San Diego State is. Last year, they lost the conference championship game to Utah State. So Utah State wins the Mountain West. Right. They're conference champs. They open this season against Alabama. 55 to nothing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. This is your conference <laughs> champion playing Alabama. It's not even the same game. Yeah. And they're playing in a whole other league. So you're going to have a top the, tier of the, corporate teams. Yeah, I think so. And, and with the, uh, the, na- the naming and image likeness rights that the players are getting money, they basically are being recruited now with money rather than recruited with, hey, we can get you on TV, we can get you on. No, now it's like we can get you this much money. You can do a sponsorship for Joe's Chevrolet in Birmingham and get a million dollars a year. And Texas A&M says, hey, I can get you – you know, another scholarship and another car dealership and get you two or three more sponsorships and you can make $2 million a year. I mean, this is what's going on. The, the naming and image likeness thing was brought on to give these guys a little something for when their names are being used in video games and things like that. Because that makes perfect sense to a lot of people, doesn't it? Yeah. If there was a KUSI, you know, video game and Mark Mathis was on there, 
doing the weather, and I could control that, and you and Paul, and you know, right. the whole thing. And yet, I was making all the money every time there was a sale of it. You'd be over there going, wait a second, you're using, right. you're making money off of my likeness. Right. Well, that was the whole idea behind the image and likeness thing in college sports was, you know, the EA Sports was using college football players and making tons of money. The players were seeing none of it. Right. But Were the universities seeing any of it? They were probably getting a cut. They were probably getting a cut, but it wasn't getting to the players. Right. So now, you know, they're, they've got it to where if you use your likeness, you can make money. Well, you're the starting quarterback at Alabama. I mean, yeah. the car dealership in Tuscaloosa isn't going to want you to, you know, be stumping their cars. Are they going to adjust that at all? Are they, are they going to? Because it's out of control. Because right people now. are making millions. Millions of dollars. Before they ever take a snap. They're this, making millions of dollars before they take a snap. They're starting to make they're starting to make money now in high school because mm-hmm. high school is now not just playing quarterback, you know, to get a good scholarship, but lining yourself up and aligning yourself so that when you step into the next level, you're ready to do sponsorships and do promotions and do these kinds of things so that you can make money. So high school quarterbacks, the top ones, are now in more demand than ever before. Yeah, like the so, like Archie Griffin's uh, nephew yeah. or something, grandson or yeah. something like but that. But you know the, the NIL thing, the name is thing. I mean, it's great we hear all these stories about the quarterbacks that are making the millions of dollars. But again, the backup safety, he's out there practicing every day. What's he getting? Yeah. So that goes back to what you're saying. Hey, these other guys, they're putting just as much time into it as the star quarterback, and that's true. They are. Right, if so not more. If not more, just to stay on the team. So why shouldn't they get a stipend? And I, and I think that they should. Well, but it's done legally now as opposed to, you know, when SMU was doing it. Did you ever see that that thing, the Pony oh, yeah. pony Excess? Pony Express. Uh, excess. It was about the Pony Express. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and you know, I used- SMU came here for the Holiday Bowl. In the early and, 1980s and with one, those guys. Right. Well, that was the first year Lance McElhaney was. He was a f- true freshman. McElhaney and uh, Dickerson. Dickerson. And they lost to BYU 46 to 45. Yeah. One of the craziest games ever played. And, but, but the guy that was orchestrating that whole thing was a real estate guy in Dallas. And he said, listen, we cannot stop paying. We have a payroll to meet. They were paying these guys every week. Yeah, you know, they right. went from they went from nothing. having I mean nothing. And then SMU was like number one or two in the country. Yeah, and I saw them play in the Cotton Bowl against Pittsburgh, and they beat Pittsburgh. They were number two in the country. Should have been number one that year. Yeah. But they had, they had nine or ten guys drafted into the NFL off their starting oh, yeah. defense. Dickerson, James, my God, they were good. And their coach was Ron Meyer, and he probably <laughs> said, if you ever asked him at the time, hey Ron. What's going on? I don't know. I mean, what? My guys are getting paid? I know. Are you kidding me? What? driving a Cadillac to El Dorado? He just, he's working at the bookstore, right? Did anybody think he was that good of a recruiter to get all of those players yeah. that, that, that he got? Some of those guys were making thousands of dollars a week. I'm sure they were. And, I'm sure they were. But, but then, as soon as they started winning... In Texas, this is the way it goes. Once you start winning, they go after you somehow. And they tear you down. Yeah, the same thing that they did with Bryles. Did you go to the game? I didn't go to the game because uh, it was too high. <laughs> like a lot of people. 
It was too hot, man. Dude, they kicked off in Oklahoma at 2 o'clock. It was like 101 degrees. Well, but in and Oklahoma, the, they're used to it. That's true. It's we, all we, relative we here. Josh Bell of the Padres on our show last Friday, and he was up in L.A., and we go, Josh, how you doing? How you holding out in the heat? And he goes, guys, I'm from Dallas. This is nothing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I grew up in Dallas. This is I got this covered. So, yeah. Yeah, Dallas, Oklahoma, you guys get it, but... Uh, here, I mean, over 100 degrees, uh, there's just, I, I figured I'd go see the next game. I will, I will say, though, you get acclimated to Southern California weather pretty quickly. I went home a couple of years ago in June or July, yeah. and I got off the plane, and I was like, golly, right. Right. what the heck? But I had played it. I, I didn't think twice about it when I was playing sports there. Right. And I don't yeah, mind it being hot outside. It's there. hot inside. It drives yeah, me nuts. But, yeah, you get acclimated to it and you just play. But that's the reason they built that new stadium in Texas is because nobody wanted to go play there because during the heat in the summer, the balls wouldn't get out. Right. You know, the, the home runs wouldn't be I get hit. a kick out of the people in San Diego that have been complaining the last several days because the stadium, they felt uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm like, excuse me, you can't blame the actual facility for the fact that it was 100 degrees. I mean, it was, it was uncomfortable for anybody anywhere. Yeah, right. the days it on, wasn't the stadium's on fault. On San Diego record, the stadium was beautiful. Yeah. The heat was difficult to deal with. Have you been to the stadium? Have People you been like, in Oh, the stadium, they should have had a covering on it. Oh, God. For what? <laughs> what do we need a cover for in San Diego? It's the, that was one time out of a million. Right. That's the hottest game ever played in ever. the history of San Diego. Yeah. It's Jeez, not the stadium fault. But I hear it's really nice. Yeah. I've, I've I walked in. At, uh, I got to know one of the construction guys, uh, one of the head guys, and I was, yeah. I was walking my dog, and a couple of weeks before they opened, he kind of took me around, and it's it's really nice. Yeah, oh, it's. I think they've got all the bells and whistles right. They got to get a few kinks worked out, I think. Well, like any place. But, yeah. But uh, people who go there, I think, are going to be glad that they did. So yeah. It's a nice thing for our city. I mean, our city is very. I, I'm I'm pretty anti our city, correctly so, when it comes to getting things done. Right. Like that. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, that was one of the the miracles of all miracles that you could get a stadium passed on the ballot and then two years later you could actually get it built yeah you know petco park you know petco park would not exist if the padres didn't go to the world series in 1998 and play the yankees um, because qualcomm was just about done petco was you know a, a, the dream of larry lucchino and the guy just went into the padre hall of fame but you know the, these guys worked their tails off to get it up and you know get it out in front of everybody and it had nothing but opposition from every corner in this town. Well, we can't afford it. We're going to go into the you know East Village. It's crap there. What are we going to do? How are we going to, you know, we're going to have to raise, you know, people are going to have to pay for it. Who's going to pay for it, et cetera. Then the Padres went to the World Series, and everybody loved the Padres, and then they put it on the ballot, and then it passed. Right. But after it passed, there was at least two or three lawsuits filed that set back the building of Petco Park. Right. So Petco Park ended up getting, you know, I don't think it, when did it open? 2004, 2005? It took, it took like six <coughs> years. Who were, who were behind those lawsuits? I would love to talk to those people today. Oh, man. That uh, would be a really good conversation yeah, to have. I'm not, I'm not political enough to know and remember, I remember some of the names and I, I mean, I know some of the names, I don't remember them offhand. But there were people that would just put to get just rally up support, you know, to, to say, you know, we're protecting the rights of the rest of the people in this city 
Who cares about baseball? How many people actually go to a baseball game? I don't know. How many people actually go to the library? But we get libraries built, <laughs> so why couldn't we build a baseball stadium? It was just, it used to drive me crazy. Well, that's what pissed me off a lot about Spanos is, and I keep making these Texas references because I grew up in Dallas. Yeah. I know a little bit about My dad was working with Bum Bright when they sold it to, to Jerry Jones and was in the room when they had the magic coin flip. I yes. think I told you oh, about you told me. But um, they... Uh, uh, you know, he waited from 19, he tried to get a stadium built from 1989 until he finally got it built in 2010. So 21 years. Well, let's see. 89 to 2010. Yeah, yeah, 20 something years. Spanos wanted one for 14. Right. You know, and I just wish you would have waited a little longer. I think they, I think had they done it properly, they could have gotten a stadium built here. It's a There's failure another. on everybody's part. I mean, I know that the people blame the Spanoses, but I, I think the city leadership is lacking in this town, and the and the ability to see, you know, how important a stadium of that of that caliber would have been to this city. I mean, not only never mind because everybody was like, "Well, we're just giving it to you know the Chargers." Man, we would have had you know, Super Bowl, Super Bowls every other three or four years. We had had college football playoff games here. And if you ever build an arena that held 18,000 people, you'd have Final Fours, you'd have... Because everyone around the country loves to come here. Right. All-star games, Pro Bowls, concerts, rap, whatever it is, San Diego is such a destination spot. Unfortunately, there's nowhere for anybody to play. Right. So right. So we have, we have a beautiful little stadium for the college football team, mm -hmm. but it's not even big enough to host a bowl game. Right. Because the Holiday Bowl still plays at Petco Park. Or once they, they were going to play at Petco Park last year. Right. And, uh, of course, UCLA torpedoed that because they left on the day of the game and said all their players had COVID. But, um, you know, the Holiday Bowl is going to be at Petco Park because the Aztec Stadium is not big enough. Yeah. And, you know, now they're talking about an arena for 14,000 people, and they're calling it a world-class, state-of-the-art arena. For who? It's not world class if you can't host an NBA team, right. at the very least. Right. That's a world class arena can host the Final Four, can host, you know, whatever. Are you talking about down at the sports I'm arena? At the sports arena. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, you got to make it 18,000 at the minimum so that you have a chance to get an NBA team or an NHL team. Right. You can't tell me it's a world-class arena when no one can play in it. That, that's what pisses me off about uh, San Diego, the, the politics of it all. Right. It's, okay, we built a college, and it was a miracle that we got it done. Yeah. Thank God we did. But can we stop with the rinky-dink stuff and rinky start bringing dink. some major rinky. league uh, NBA and, and NFL and, you know, we have major league baseball. That's but, all we have. You know what? If we we're have, not careful, we'll lose them too. We have, what are we, the eighth largest city in the country? Seventh or eighth. It seems to toggle back and forth. The eighth largest country or city in the country. And we have basically two cream of the crop level sports. We have the Padres and we have San Diego State basketball. Yeah. Because as we discussed earlier, San Diego State football for everything it's done is not Alabama, UCLA, USC, Michigan. Right. 
So there's a whole other level to go there. But San Diego State basketball, Diego State they basketball, can play with they can them. Compete. Yeah, yeah. They can compete with anybody. So, you know, because you only need five guys on a team. Right. Well, you know, when yeah. Baylor won uh, the national championship, they built them a new arena. Yeah. And, but, it, they, but they went from 14,000 to 9,000. Yeah. But it's more like Cameron uh, for where Duke right, okay. plays. And they just wanted a smaller, yeah. you know, well, louder. Well, arena's a beautiful venue for the Aztecs now, and that holds, what, 12,000? Yeah. But again, not big enough if you ever wanted to bring an NBA. You can't bring an NBA. What are they going to do with that arena? What, I mean, who's going to play there if they're only going to put 12,000, 14,000? No, the, the new arena down at Sports, uh, sports yeah, Arena. Yeah, they're going to keep playing. I guess. I don't know. I, I mean, it doesn't even make sense to build an arena. Goals, you know, minor league hockey, you're going to keep playing lacrosse. But you can't, you can't have professional hockey here either. No, it's not big enough. Not at 14,000. I, I just don't understand the thinking of the people in this town sometimes. Well, like you look at you look at uh, 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 Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. They built a baseball stadium right next to a brand new football stadium. Right. They're next door to yeah. each other. And the arena is right there too. And isn't it? right across the street. Yeah. yeah. So they have so they have all three major sports right there. Yeah. And it is man, it's amazing. Of course. What 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 it looks like in Philadelphia. I was in. Uh, Charlotte a few years ago and I'm oh, driving yeah. down the freeway in Charlotte look to my right 20,000 seat state-of-the-art basketball arena yeah look across the other side of the freeway 80,000 foot perfect beautiful football stadium and then they... How does Charlotte do that <laughs> well sure Yet in San Diego <laughs> we have a dime to our name <laughs> well I know you well know the they do it in Charlotte money I don't know. Yeah, they got corporate banks there. Well, why don't we have any? We don't have any corporate anything here. <laughs> I don't know. They, the corporate Bank of America is there. Corporate. It used to be uh, Wachovia. It's now it's Wells Fargo. The corporate office is there. So there's a lot of money flying into Charlotte. A lot. There needs to be more money flying into San Diego. Well, it, we could get it done. You just it, they just have a way of getting it done there because you know. They hire. They vote in the right people who can get it done. Well, you know, that's probably accurate. I mean, they used to. They, they got Bob Johnson to bring in the Bobcats. It was changed, they changed the names to the Hornets when Michael Jordan uh, took them over. They also have a Triple A baseball team. They just built a Triple A baseball team. And my fear is that you know sooner or later they're going to expand it, that baseball stadium, which is a beautiful Triple yeah. A baseball stadium, and they're going to expand it and bring in. Steal the Padres. Steal somebody. I bet, but they're talking about Oakland going to, to Las Vegas. Yeah, well, Oakland's got to leave. I mean, they've, they've left that team to die up there. So. You think they're going to go to Vegas? Uh, why not? They should. If the guys, I mean, the owner's a, kind of a lunatic in Oakland. Yeah. So, and the people up there think he's just a total idiot. So. I'm going to yeah, uh, the to Raiders-Texans football game. At their, their new, you think anybody's pissed off in Las Vegas that they built a stadium? There, no. yeah, no. no one would have been pissed off here. And how many arenas do they have in Las Vegas? Oh, they have God. MGM Arena, they have an Orleans <laughs> Arena, they have um, and another one I can't think of right offhand arena, and then they got the T Mobile Arena for the hockey team, right? And then they've got the basketball, and then they've got you know the, the, the football stadium. I mean, you know, they're just building arenas like they're, you know, Seven uh, Elevens or something. Right. And here again, we can't get anything done. I'm just tired. Yeah, and the, the rinky-dink stuff is what. It's what. Um, oh, do you want me? Our executive producer, Mr. McKinnon. Yeah, that's what I have to call him. Yeah, um, he he'll kick me or 
pass me notes every now and then when I... Well, tell them to pass you some better notes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so what's going to... All right, so listen, let's talk Padres yeah. just for a second. We'll talk San Diego State football in a minute. Well, let's talk San Diego State football. Are they any good this year? I think they'll be fine. They, they looked bad in the first game, but... You know, Brady Hoke's a good coach. He'll he'll figure it out. They have a young offensive line. The, the offensive line. They, they, they got manhandled the other day yeah. by Arizona. So, um, you know, they've got some tough games early. they got Utah in a couple of weeks. Top 10 team. They're probably not going to be able to beat them. they got Boise State early in the season. But don't be surprised in the second half. They, you know, Start pick winning. it up. And uh, maybe an 8-5 and five season, 9-4. and four, You know, it, it, to me, you know, I mean, you've been here for how many years? 20? Almost. Ah, that went fast. <laughs> that really went fast. No, I've been it here like, like 10. Oh, 10? <laughs> I was here to 99 to 01 okay. until I got fired. Oh. <clears throat> and then, uh, not here, but over at another station. You did? Yeah, I, was, I used to work over what's now the Fox affiliate. Oh, you did? Yeah. yeah. You don't remember? I don't watch it. <laughs> I watch KUSI because you're on, but I didn't watch it back then. Hey, did you see me swim the other day? I did. Monday morning. Pretty damn good, wasn't it? Yeah, you were out there uh, paddling away. Yeah, man. Everybody I know thinks that guy's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) You probably hear this all the time. Yeah. The guy's crazy. I got interviewed one time. uh, I was on my, like, IMDB profile. I was in uh, The Astronaut Farmer, Where the Heart Is, and this documentary called Owning the Weather. And this, so I went out to dinner with the guy who was the kind of the producer of the owning, and I go... You know, and this was right after all of that stuff on YouTube was coming out, and I was dressing up in costumes and everything. And yeah. um, I go, why? I mean, I'm getting a lot of chances to do the weather in Japan and Russia and all these places. Are, like the BBC wanted me to do the weather for when Boy George was co-hosting. And so I was doing all the weather in all these places. And I go, why, why, what's going on? And they go, Mark, people think you're crazy <laughs> because of the way I said the weather. Yeah. But, um, you know, maybe there's some truth to it, you know. Maybe a little bit. A little, yeah. a little crazy. I, I think it's a good crazy, though. Oh, that's good. Well, it's thank you. Crazy. Yeah. Now, Aztecs will be okay. Padres, I'm still crossing my fingers because, I mean, you got a three-game lead. you got 25 games to go. So what do they have to do to at least get in as a wild card? I think they're going to – 25 games, they're going to win 15. You know, go 15 and 10 and make sure that they clinch it. Don't leave an opening for Milwaukee to catch them. How pissed were you at uh, Tatis? Pretty mad. I, I honestly personally even felt like it was a kick in the gut. Yeah. I'm not even, a, I'm not even like a live or die with a Padre fan. Yeah. Just the fact that, you know, I cover the team and, you know, they're our sole major sports team in this town. I just feel like he let a lot of us down. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just the immature decision-making. Just, I mean, God. Just he knew what he was doing. And I think, you know, him trying to sure, pass it I'm off. Sure. That uh, that he didn't, he was just trying to get back on the field sooner. Get back on the field. And he thought, you're young, I can get away with it. They don't, I guess they have random testing in Major League Baseball, and they just yeah. tested him at the wrong time. I guess. But it, to me, I thought the same way you did, and I was gonna I was gonna text you a lot that day. But it was it was a day that we had just gotten Soto. Yeah, right. Tatis was coming back. We were were just starting for the first time in this city. It felt like we were building a little momentum towards something. And then he does that. I 
And it was just, it really was a kick, man. But if the, it, it could be great. I'd love it if they could get into the playoffs and start winning without him. If they get into the playoffs, they're going to have a chance because their pitching staff's good enough to beat them in every game. Their hitting is not good enough to win in the playoffs. But, you know, you don't need to hit a lot in the playoffs. Four runs will win you a game. You know, Manny their, first, a, their first five are pretty good. Well, their first four are pretty good. <laughs> They're good on paper. I mean, Soto's got to start producing. Like I said before, he's hitting 245. I mean, he only has six RBIs since he joined the Padres. Really? In 27 games. Now, that factors out to 36 RBIs on the season. Talking about Juan Soto, he should have 100 RBIs, not 36. Wow. So his pace is not very good. He has not come through. He had a big chance last night to tie the game in the eighth inning. He struck out. Luckily, they ended up winning in the ninth inning. But, yeah, they need Soto to get with it. He's got to shake off the whatever it is, the pressure or, you know, pressing and trying to trying too much, you know, to do too much. Right. I think and just he's start just playing. got to relax and start playing. And, you know, if he does that, they have a chance. Do you man, think he great. sticks around here? After two years? Mm-hmm. Boy, that's a lot of money. I mean, I wouldn't put it past the ownership. Peter Seiler's been pretty good. Yeah. I mean, San Diego fans should be kneeling at his altar right now. Yeah. I mean, the no money he spent to try to bring us a winning team. So. Are you a stats guy? You sound like you sound like more of a stats guy than I thought you were. I'm a pretty good stats guy. Are you? Pretty good stats guy. I don't have them all memorized, but I'm, I'm into that. Well, you have pretty. You have a lot of them memorized. Maybe you don't know. You'd have to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of like the weather, you know. Right. Hey, it's going to be. It's going to be 78 today. <laughs> Does anybody actually go out there and with their phone and put it up there and go? Some people. No, 77. That's Hi. not it. Dude, you'd be surprised. Some people do that. Oh, God. Text you or oh, my you God. Go, oh, my God, man. You said 78. You don't know how many texts I get throughout the day. You got higher than 76 today, <laughs> you bastard. Hey, I'm going to be heading to El Cajon later. What's the weather going to be? I'm like, really? Yeah. Really? That's what you texted me? You know? I was like, come so on. people do do that, though. Oh, all the they time. They call you on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, said it wasn't, you said it was going to be 75. It's like 80 right now. And this is in, you know, Sacramento. And I'm assuming that they're blaming you for this heat wave as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, if it's nice, yeah. then all I'm ready? doing is getting in trouble and going into the boss's office. But right now, you know, uh, it's... You know, when they're actually paying attention to me, they're blaming me for the weather, blaming but they're actually the paying weather. attention to me. When the, when the weather's nice, San Diego gets all the credit. When it's not nice, right. you get all the blame. Right. Yeah, sorry to hear that, man. How's your, uh, how's your uh, talk show? Which one were you on before? I've been on a lot of them. Um, I started at uh, 690, uh, the mighty 690. Were you on with, uh, what's his name? Jim Rome was on that station, and... Uh, Hacksaw Hamilton was on that station <laughs> was it? way back when, like 20 years ago. I had a I had How a was Rome? Show. I didn't know him. You did? Well. He worked at night, and then when I started working on the weekends, he uh, moved the show up to L.A., so I never really got to meet him, so I can't really say. Um, but that was, a, that was kind of a famous sports talk station because at the time there was only two in the country. There was WFAN in New York, and there was Mighty 690 in Southern California. Right. You could hear us all the way to San Francisco easily. Really? So everyone in L.A. knew who we were. and I mean, It was Orange County, San Diego. It was a huge signal. So that was kind of where I started. And 
Then I did a couple of other shows along the way, but uh, four years ago I landed with Tony Gwynn on this uh, 97.3 The Fan. And now, which one were you on right before The Fan? I was on, uh, I believe, Extra 1360. Okay, yeah, thir- yes, that, that was it. The morning show with Ben Higgins, and then uh, we got let go. And then after that ended up happening, I started doing the TV stuff with Paul until the you know, Paul, the one came around. To Paul Paul's- was great to me, man. Paul, and who was the other guy, radio guy that was on the Mighty uh, 690 or whatever it was called that ended up do, going doing his own thing up in L.A.? Steve Hartman? No. Uh, what's the dark-headed guy? Dark-headed guy. Uh, Steve Hartman's dark-headed. Um, but he was on with Paul for a while, too. Yeah. Uh, he was, not Hacksaw? Not Hacksaw. Not Hacksaw. Uh, come on. Between the two of you? I don't know. He was the uh, he he uh, he was on the mighty six ninety and Scott Kaplan? Yeah, yes Scott Kaplan okay. yes yeah he you know he but Paul you know Paul to he Paul's credit huh he went crazy after we posted a video of him saying all retired NFL players should retire or quit all retired or all unvaccinated NFL players should retire or quit oh he did um, did he get pissed yeah he blamed me for it why because everyone in the comments was calling him a communist. <laughs> See, my whole philosophy with that is whether they're talking good or talking bad, they're talking. As long as they're talking about you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you do a sports talk show long enough, I think my my all-time favorite was when I was back at the 690. So this was back in the day when people could get in touch with you either by phone or by fax. That was the only way. And we used to actually give out our fax number over the air once in a while. And, you know, invite people if they had an opinion or something to send it in by fax. And one day somebody asked me whether I thought Joe Montana was a better quarterback or Warren Moon. And I just, I went with Joe Montana. Yeah. No other reason than the fact he was Joe Montana. Sure. And Warren Moon was very good. Well, people, for whatever reason, started thinking I was a racist for a while. And I got an unbelievable uh, fax one time, and it was... Me sitting at a desk, it was a drawing, a very kind of almost almost stick figure-ish type drawing of me sitting at a desk and a mighty 690 microphone right here and my hand up in the air like I was talking into the mic, except instead of my face was just a tip of a dick. <laughs> that was my head coming out of my shirt. And on the back it said, Chris Ello, asshole of the year. <laughs> and I, to this day, I'm so upset that I don't have that anymore but ever since i got that i've been okay to get just about any criticism i can get yeah i used nothing will top that one dude i used to oh god i can remember when you know when you first started in this business you just get shots all the time and i used to get all these shots from about everything from you know you know the way i did the weather to who i was dating or whether i was gay or straight or whatever and it was just you know and now you know, I, I just ignore 99.9% of it. Every now and then somebody will send me an email and I'll respond in kind, right. you know. Yeah. And I just, it just doesn't bother me anymore. Yeah. None of it bothers I me anymore. I, I might respond with a smiley face, tweet or something back at you. But I, I, I think I say too many things to expect that everything I say is going to be pleasing to everyone's ear. Well, it used That's to. That's not possible. You know, I. <laughs> How do, I don't even know how to say this to even say it, you know, politically correct. But you know, 
the, the coming of age of the LGBT, the alphabet folks, has come a long way. Back when I was starting, uh, there were several people that were gay on the air that you, they didn't say that they were no. gay. You no. never said. Uh, they're, now they're you know, very open about it. So it. It really pissed me off. You know, because I'm straight, but it would piss me off, you know, when people would say that. Yeah. But now, now, I say most of the gay guys I know are pretty doggone good looking, in great shape. They make a lot of money, and chicks dig them. So I take, as, I take it as a compliment, a compliment. now. I'm like, Women do love gay guys. So, <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. But, you know, you're never going to. But here's what, this is what, right after the Vikings fired their assistant coach because he didn't get the vaccine. Uh-huh. Okay. And then he said this on Good Morning San Diego. And obviously the audience. Oh, you want to play it? Yeah. Any player in the NFL that threatens that they're going to retire because they don't want to get the vaccine, have at it. Feel free. Retire. Who are you threatening? Are you threatening the fans? Are you threatening the ownership? Are you threatening the coaches, your players? Listen, if you don't get vaccinated as an NFL player and you bring COVID into the locker room and games get forfeited and your team loses and the players on your team lose their money, and the players on the other team lose their money, then good, go ahead and, and retire. Let's see somebody do it. Um, DeAndre Hopkins from Arizona said, I'm, I'm going to retire. If you've got enough money and you've done enough in your career, go ahead, retire. But I'm telling you right now, they always say it, it's a privilege to play in the NFL, not a right. And when you start messing with the owner's money, and then you start messing with the other player's Rumble money, Stilskin. get out. Rumble oh, Silskin, you're our... Look, we so what, what's your feeling on that? Uh, no, nothing that he said. <laughs> yeah. I don't want anybody to write that I'm a <laughs> Well, you know, at this stage of the game, I think we know that getting the vaccine was not does not protect you from getting but COVID. No. At the time, this was like the, it was like just before the season started. Everyone was talking about it. Yeah. Like, is it right? Is it, it wrong? It was so controversial back and then. And he went, obviously shared his perspective. He, and went, no one liked he went hardcore to one side. Then he went on his radio show and started calling me and like my family right-wing anti-vaxxers, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he was going... Really? Yeah. yeah. And we just never invited him back. And he went yeah. on for like a week. Well, I mean, most of it's thing. turned but out to be much ado about nothing. I mean, the COVID thing's come and gone now, and we can move on. And I don't think anybody had to go to that length, you know, yeah. to retire or, you know, make their statement. I mean, you still see, what, the tennis player, uh, Djokovic... Still not playing in the U.S. Open because he doesn't want to get vaccinated. Right. To me, it's his right not to get vaccinated, and I guess it's their right to not let him play. Right. For the rules, so, you know, I, I think, you know, we do have to follow some rules in the world. I, do, I, I, don't, I, I don't think him going after, uh, you know, his the McKinnon family or, you know, he said what he said. He's got to stand by it, but you can't, you can't go after the people that – you know, put you on the air and give you the opportunity to say it. I mean, don't, I agree. Do you, Funny would looking you? back a year later now. Huh? A year later looking at it. That's it's a like, year later. Yeah. 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 And, and like, and I mean, like someone was on the wrong side of that. Somebody was on the wrong side of that argument. Fun. But you can't, But at the end of the day, if you're going to say it, say it. But don't criticize the people that gave you the opportunity no. to say it. No. No, you know, no, just stand behind what you said. Stand behind what you said and just 
and just go on about your day. Yeah. All right, so now you're on 97. I, I called you guys when I was going on a live shot one time. Yeah. Um, but you maybe you put me on hold for like 45 well, I minutes. I did. Well, I mean, you know, sure. I thought I, you I had more power. I thought you had more power did, than that. Did it say, does your phone. I don't know. You would think Mark that your Mathis, producer who did, calls you right Mark through. Mathis. All right, if I knew it was Mark Mathis, I would have stopped the show. <laughs> but no one told me. We do have a we do have a little a screen like this, and on the phones, you know the name pops up. You know John and Escondido. Uh huh. If it says like Mark and Tierra Santa, should I just go to it automatically? No, 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 because it would be Mark and Mission Valley. You'd be Mark and Mission Valley. Valley, yeah, Mark and Mission Valley. No, Mark and you know what? I'll just say Mark and McGregor's. You should put bug it. Put something that we know it's you. Now you're talking. Yeah, we definitely. I would love to have you on the show. I think you should do, you know, a segment a week on the show. Honestly, Come I would on. love to. It'd be great to have you on. I think you're hilarious. Can you? Can I criticize your management team? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just I don't know kidding. if they would hear it. I mean, you know, we have such a. You know, we're run by such a huge corporation out there. I wonder if they would get back to that. Who, 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 who? We're run by uh, Odyssey, it's called. A-U-D-A-C-Y. Yeah. It used to be Intercom. Now it's Odyssey. Have you I done many of these? Where, I don't even know where the home office is. Really? I don't. Do you do many of these podcasts? No. You don't? No, because I talk every day, all day long. I, it, I wish I did it more. Yeah. I, but I like to do it with people um, either... Po policy makers are people that are in the news or people that I'm interested in. Yeah. And I was somewhat interested in you. And I'm I, more interested now. I like you. Did I, I prevail? Yeah. You're, no, you're but a very a nice good, guy. I'm not a policy maker. I don't really have any. But sport. you're a good guy, and you know a lot about sports. I'm pretty. <laughs> All right. So I can, and I, can, I don't ever get to talk sports. Yeah. You know, that's, well, that's Paul's deal. What I was going to say about Paul, and maybe we should put this on um, uh our little a promo just because you know he sometimes gets upset but um for uh all paul he he has made a lot of people that were either lost their gig and brought them on yeah. or brought some up some people that he thought would be good yeah. and i would never if i was one of those people i would never say one bad word about paul rudy you shouldn't say a bad word about Paul Rudy anyway. He's a good guy. He's a great guy. He is a good guy. And, yeah, and he's smart and he works he's hard. He's so good to all these kids here, too. I oh, mean, my gosh. How many people has he just given an opportunity? Just an to opportunity to just yeah, do it. Come on the air and talk about sports a little bit or do a high school game of the week or yeah. go out and report on the Chula Vista Sweetwater game. I mean, that's a big deal for a lot of young There's people. a lot of people that owe Paul Rudy a whole lot. Yeah, I'm not one of them. No, you but don't owe him <laughs> you have to put up with him and uh, Lauren in the morning. I think you do a pretty good job. You know what? They're good do the people. Do two of them team up on you a little bit? Oh, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. 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 But you it know, takes like two you know, try and keep up with. Yeah. Them. You know, look. At the end of the day, you're certifiably crazy going in. We already discussed that. At the end of the day, I know who's got the U-Haul hooked up to the wagon to the you know, tailgate. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay. I mean, I come on. Right. Um, and it ain't. <laughs> I just, I just, I just messing around. So no, no, I love Lauren. I love Paul. They're both uh, great. And um, I was, you know, when I first started doing Good Morning America, I was a uh, Good Morning America, Good Morning San Diego. 
<laughs> I got this email the other day. This lady was trying to be complimentary. She goes, we watched you. You're great. You're wonderful. You're one of the main reasons my husband and I watch Good Morning America every morning. Uh, <laughs> she yeah. went to say Good Morning San Diego. Okay. But when I first got on it, I was uh, uh, a little moody because I was getting up at 3.30. And, yeah. But I think you kind of have to come into Good Morning San Diego or a show like that. You kind of have to accept it for what it is and not try to make changes right away, but kind of maneuver your way around. Yeah. Um, so, but no, Paul and Lauren are two of the, and th this is honest to God truth. Paul and Lauren are two of the best people I've ever worked with in this business. They don't I, seem, neither of them seem to be uh, full of themselves, for lack of a better term. Right. And that's one of my things, that's a real turn off to me, is people yeah. that are successful and also think they're great. Yeah. I like people that are successful and don't need to think that they're great. Yeah. They just go out and do the job because they enjoy doing it. They yeah. have a good time. What's the old saying? It, it, it's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. Oh, you know, that is a good one. I've heard that before. I've never applied it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you, can you still throw? Can no. You, you can't? Well, a little bit. I mean, I play first base in my Wednesday and Thursday softball leagues. So. Uh, oh, well, so you can but, still throw. Yeah, I mean, I can. Okay, I'm going to go get a catcher's anything. mitt. You are? Right now. And the next time you're not not the next time you're on, maybe a month from now. All right. Okay? Um, Paul doesn't think I can, I can catch. Okay? You can catch. It, well, because I was a catcher. Yeah. Um, okay. By the way, I got recruited at Texas Tech. Uh, that who's the guy that used to be the baseball coach? Big guy. Uh, John Cantera. Yes. Yeah. He really. recruited me at Texas Tech. He recruited you. Yes. I didn't know that. I got to ask him about that. I don't think he remembers. Yeah. Back then, they used to give you when you played baseball, they'd give you like books and you know meals. Yeah. Or or, or they would give you half your tuition because they had to divide the scholarship That's for baseball players. In between however many people. Yeah, I think Tony Nothing and Bobby Meacham were the only two guys who got a full scholarship. Full scholarship, yeah. <laughs> you had to be that good. Um, but he said that I couldn't catch I couldn't catch uh, a high schooler today. Paul Rudy said that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I'm going to go get a catch. just go out to a game? I mean, he can't, he can't facilitate you going out and catching some, some, uh, some guy's bullpen. Well, I guess he could, but I thought we could just school. go out and do the parking lot. Just and want you, me to throw to you? You could just throw to me. That doesn't and, count. Why? Because I don't throw hard. Remember, we already discussed that. You want to, you, want to, you know. Well, I mean, how, how fast do you think you could bring it? Like, like 30. Uh, you no, could, you, you could bring it about 82. 82? I hope so. I don't think so anymore. I wouldn't try to even throw that hard. <laughs> I'd probably, my arm would end up in a sling. Were you like, you throwing a lot of junk and stuff? Yeah. And, through curveballs and sliders and just location, location, location. Yeah? That was the key to getting guys out. Yes, location and movement. You <laughs> want that kind ball of the story of life, right really. Right. You should write a book called Location and Movement. You and my wife think I should write a book, but I don't think I should write one, even though I used to be a sports writer. I have no interest in writing. I made this up. Have you written a book? Nope, but I made this up today, and I said I did. Um... This is the book. I, I took uh, the, the author's name off and sent this to all the producers. Told them I wrote that book. Never say I'm sorry, Mark Mathis. <laughs> build character and avoid regret. <laughs> I don't know who wrote the book. Yeah. But I, 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 you I'll might get a letter from them. I know. Samer T. Toma. He's a Ph.D. They're using this guy's using the title of his book. So hey, how's the uh, 
How's um, uh, how's Gwen to work with? He seems like so nice. Tony Gwynn Jr. is as nice as Tony Gwynn. Really? And, uh, How fortunate are you? How lucky are you? Pretty lucky. I mean, and those are two pretty, pretty yeah, big names. I know. What? Um, Tony, Tony Jr. is just unbelievable. I, I can't believe how nice he is. This guy's, he's, you know, he's younger than we are. He's another generation before us, but he's working his tail off. I mean, yeah. he's, he's broadcasting the games, and he's doing a sports talk show, and he's hosting his own TV show. Before the Padre game is about the, they call it POV, Padres POV. So he does interviews and features on all of the players so that the fans can watch and get to know the players. So he's the busiest guy I know, and uh, he's always got a smile on his face and a compliment for somebody. And he learned everything from his dad the right way. So, so what's next for so what's next for you? What do you have any like goals or dreams? Or? Yeah, isn't that weird? I don't do that. You just like, kind of take I, it as it comes. Yeah, I've never answered the question. Where do you see yourself in five years? Like I even like I Matthew was, McConaughey, better than I am today. Yeah, I remember guess. that speech? I guess I should send it to you. You can, but uh, <laughs> I, I have no interest in Matthew McConaughey. Um, but even when I was twenty, I had no idea where I'd be. And when I was thirty, I had no idea where I'd be. So. Well, you know, I had a dream. Just do the talk show and uh, see where it goes. And I got there, and I hated it. I was miserable. So then I just kept, quit, you know. Oh, your dream came true? Came true fairly early. Yeah. And I was miserable. I hated it. Really? Yeah. It was well, working was at, little, Oh, what was it? It was working at uh, WFAA in Dallas. Okay. I got there for pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, like three years out of, when I, back before, after I started. Which nowadays is not that big of a deal. Back then it was. Yes. Oh, yeah. And, um... But, uh, and then I was just like, man, I hated the news director. I still, if I saw him today, I still wouldn't. It's, you know, you try to get rid of those resentments. You don't want to hold on to them. You just, you <laughs> just wrote a book about it. Read your book. Read your book, man. Have no regrets. Never say you're sorry. <laughs> well, Read your book. That's, that's not really my book, but I thought it was pretty funny that I told people I wrote it. Yeah. Um, all right, so, uh, well, I wish you, I, I think you're immensely talented, and I think you're fun to listen to on the air. I actually uh, listen to you Thank when you. I'm on the, in my car at that time of day. Cool. Um, because you guys are very entertaining. And next time you call in, just make it so we know it's you. But I'm, you know what, I'm just going to have you on okay. for a segment. You're going to come on and just do your world of sports. How long is a segment? Like 12 minutes. Could you do that? Yeah, we could do, do that. that. We just did like an hour, right? Dude, you may be one of the longest people we've ever had yeah. on. This is one hour and eight minutes. Yeah. So. And it's flown by. I'm probably going to miss my show today. <laughs> the time is up. Well, hey, listen. Uh, World Series pick. I'm okay. World Series pick. World Series pick? Yeah. I'll show you how smart I am. I picked the White Sox at the beginning of the season, and right now they're barely going to even make the playoffs if they make it at all. So, I don't know. I hope it's anybody but the Dodgers. And, uh, you know, I, I this Houston team's awfully good. So, I yeah. think Houston goes from the American League. You know, National League, it's, I mean, the Padres have a shot. They they truly do. I mean, that, that it sounded like a homer thing if I said Padres in Houston. I don't, I think the fact that Fernando left them in the lurch is probably going to keep them one bat short of making the World Series. So. Yeah. Um, I think Atlanta had their time last year. The Dodgers seem to always come up short. Can you just answer the question? Yes. Mets My God. And Astros. <laughs> Mets go. and Astros. Mets and Astros. 
Wow, that's that's. I would go with Mets. If that happens, then uh, I'll be surprised. <laughs> there you go. There's your pick. I mean, you were asking the World Series pick, and you talked for thirty. You named every team in baseball. I didn't even pick a winner. Yes, you did. Oh, um, <laughs> Astros over the Mets. <laughs> you guys are tough. Hey, Chris, I think you're a great, and I would like for you to come on on a semi-regular basis. Right. And by the way, thank you. Uh, let's put this on the promo too. Thank you to Paul Rudy for letting me borrow you for the day. Oh yeah, he doesn't own me, so he didn't borrow me. <laughs> I came on my own volition. He's. <laughs> we have a Paul Rudy promo on there somehow, so it wouldn't surprise him. Hey, seriously, thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Anytime. Anytime please, please come back on on a regular basis when we have a bunch of shit as to talk long about. As you come on my radio. Show. I will. I. It's a deal. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you.